the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Remember, you can take us with you wherever you go. iHeart, TuneIn, Radio.com app. Download our app. <coughs> Excuse me, iTunes and Google Play Store. Apologize for that. Uh, you can watch the show on Facebook. I'm afraid to bring the show feed up, Aaron. I see it now. I got the big high view, right, of the show. You switch that out periodically and give people the face-on view. Now there is the face-on view. Now yeah, I see it. We go corner during the commercial break, straight on during straight the segments. On. Okay. Well, I'll try not to eat on camera. Uh, appreciate all of you joining us today. We dealt in hour number one with uh, the leftist propaganda on the Columbus Dispatch pages today. Um, shrill, hysterical protest to evil Republican lawmakers trying to keep kids transgender issues a secret from their parents i know i know i know you're saying wait wait that sounds good i i'd I'd be in favor of parents knowing about their kids wanting transgender surgery yeah well you would be in favor of it because you're not a wacko leftist but anna staver and the management of the columbus dispatch which in the latest attempt to uh, motivate john wolf to roll over in his grave dig his way out and make somebody pay for their nonsense leftist views, uh, Anna Staver in the Columbus Dispatch, they're all for it. Okay. Uh, We've also talked a bit about the total lie that the Kyle Rittenhouse matter started with Jacob Blake being shot in the back. No, no. As in every case of disputed police, lethal force, Judicious or not judicious. The issue started with a criminal or a suspect. Sometimes they're not criminals. A criminal or a suspect doing something that attracted police attention and then failing to comply with the police officer's orders, thus escalating the situation. That does not mean that every time an officer uses lethal force, it is justified because they are trained to use lethal force only in certain situations. And sometimes they screw up. And sometimes, yes, there are bad cops who are out behaving in rogue ways. Not very often, but every time there is one. Oh, it's magnified to the hundredth power. And it becomes fodder for the left to use as, see, this happens all the time. Which, in fact, it does not happen all the time. What is happening with greater and greater regularity is our president, Joe Biden, sounding like um, the synapses in his brain are having a high-speed collision. 
For instance, yesterday, uh, Joe Biden was out and about in our country, in our great, beautiful country, and he was trying to advocate for the necessity of his infrastructure plan and his infrastructure spending, which will heighten inflation because, hey, if you love $3 a gallon gasoline, you'll really love $4 a gallon gasoline. Here is what Joe Biden said about why we need rampant infrastructure spending. Conversations around those kitchen tables that are both profound as they are ordinary. How do I cross a bridge in a snowstorm? What happened? No, think about it. You know, you're in a situation, what happens if the bridge collapses and there's a fire on the other side? It's going to take 10 miles longer to get to the fire. People can die. I mean, this is real. This is real stuff. Conversations around those kitchen tables that are both profound as they are ordinary. I got to play it again. Oh, my goodness. Conversations around those kitchen tables that are as real as whatever, and there's a snowstorm, and there's a fire, and there's a bridge collapsing. Now, Aaron, I might have a handle on what prompted this. Uh, In my own mind, I'm imagining if... My recollections of, well, a whole host of things. Saving Private Ryan. Um, Remember the bridge scene at the end of Saving Private Ryan? They're trying to defend the bridge in the French village from the onslaught of the Nazi horde. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Remember Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey on the bridge? Snowstorm? Teeth of a snowstorm, blizzard, George Bailey... That's how he meets Clarence, isn't it? George Bailey's going to dive in the water, or he does dive in the water, and, and, and Clarence the angel comes and rescues him and pulls him to safety? Is it coming back to you now? See, if, <laughs> you're, you're if, those, deep on if those two things, the, the bridge scene in Saving Private Ryan, now, you know, there, there needs to be a fire. So I've also seen, I've seen a lot of war movies with bridges, Bridge on the River Kwai, Bridges of Toko Ri. Bridges of Madison County. Bridges of Madison County is a whole different bridge matter. <laughs> but, but if Joe Biden had talked about marital unfaithfulness somewhere in that little rant of his, then we could incorporate the Bridges of Madison County. But, but I'm just thinking Joe's mental synapses are colliding there. Uh, that's the best I can come up with. Bridge, snowstorm, fire, collapse. Ah, it makes as much sense, his portrayal of the infrastructure bill's benefits, as the infrastructure bill itself. So look, we have to laugh at our incompetent, feckless president. But today is three months since his incompetent, feckless withdrawal from Afghanistan. And NBC News, now, just do a little mental check of that for a second. NBC News, not Fox News, not ONN, not OAN, not not Rumble, not Dan Bongino, not Sean Hannity. NBC News did a piece last night about what life in Afghanistan is like now, three months since the U.S. withdrawal in Afghanistan. Give a listen. When U.S. and NATO troops pulled out of this country and the Taliban took over, Afghanistan's economy collapsed. And now there is mass starvation. It's all about the economy. There is food here. 
but people can't afford to buy it. And it's forcing some families to make desperate choices. A nurse said a clinic in Herat run by Doctors Without Borders measures Farzana's arm. If the band goes red, she's severely malnourished. Farzana is nearly at the end of the scale, weighing six and a half pounds at eight months old. Farzana's mother used to give her formula, but now can't afford it after her husband lost his job. A baby dies of starvation nearly every day at this clinic. Occupancy is up 70% compared to last year. Some are two to a bed. Ali Umar's mother was herself malnourished, so the baby was born too weak to suckle. My husband is a house painter, but he sold his tools so we could feed the baby. Things have gotten worse since the Taliban came. What little we had went to zero. The babies here are given a fortified blend of formula. About a third were already vulnerable, like Imran, who has a neurological disorder. The three-year-old can't walk or talk. Now he's starving, too. Jawad barely weighs three pounds. Many of the poorest in Herat live on the outskirts of the city. Here, the elders say work has disappeared since the Taliban took over and prices have gone up. Then Murad Khan, a day worker, made a shocking admission. Look, look, behind you. You see her? Come here. Come here, he says. I swear to God, is she old enough to marry? No, but I sold her. His daughter, Benazir, is eight years old. She was sold to another family to marry one of their sons when she reaches puberty. Do you know what we're talking about? Benazir doesn't answer but seems to want to disappear. The buyers haven't paid for Benazir yet. The agreed price, her dowry, is $2,000. As soon as they pay it, they'll come to collect her. Benazir's family survive by begging. They burn trash to bake bread because they can't afford wood. Benazir keeps the bread close to her heart whenever she's lucky enough to get a piece. Benazir's sister, Nazia, lies sick. Her father thinks from the plastic fumes. Oh, she does have a fever. She's burning up. Have you had anything to eat or drink? No. Nothing? Benazir and her best friend Saliha go to fetch water. The local mosque is kind enough to let them fill their pails. Saliha has been sold, too. She's seven. The mm. two girls walk back home. Benazir in just torn socks, even as she crosses a rocky path. Salia's father says he knows she's too young, but that he had a terrible choice to make. Take the dowry now or watch all the family starve. I'm forced to do this. I'm keeping five alive. One has to be sacrificed. Benazir and Salia sit alone by their homes. The other girls, who like many here use henna to dye their hair red, keep a little distance, perhaps wary they too will soon become hunger brides. Many families told me they are now being forced to make horrific choices for their own survival. More than half of this country is at risk of starvation. Back to you. It is also very heartbreaking. Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel there. Richard, thank you. It's heartbreaking, and it was totally avoidable. And uh, we will talk about what that kind of heartbreak has done to people who work at the State Department, who know people left behind. Next on The Bruce Hooley Show.
So just prior to the break, I played a three-minute piece from NBC News last night checking in on life in Afghanistan three months after the U.S. withdrawal, humiliating withdrawal, needlessly expedited, because Joe Biden actually thought, and this shows you how clueless he is, pretty much everything this man touches turns to garbage or turns worse than it was. The economy's worse. Southern border is worse. Our relationship with our allies is worse. Uh, Our reputation on the world stage, far worse. Our vulnerability to China, Russia, far worse. We're asking Russia, please don't hack these industries. They're really important to us. Hey, OPEC, would you please make more oil? I mean, it's just, you have to be a zealot detached from reality, to be among the, what, 40% who still think Joe Biden's doing a good job and the country's heading in the right direction? That's only because you think the right direction for the country is to plunge into the abyss because you hate the country. That's the only possible reason you think we're headed in the right direction because your right direction is the wrong direction. So we heard the report from Richard Engel of NBC News, and kudos to him. Imagine how hard he had to fight to get that story on NBC News, where they go to exceedingly ridiculous lengths to prop up everything this administration does, to make them look like anything but the complete incompetence that they are. A father selling his eight-year-old daughter to another family for $2,000? So his family can eat? A father of five saying he sold a seven-year-old daughter? I had to. One has to be sacrificed so the others can survive? An eight-month-old who weighs six and a half pounds? Who has an elastic band on her arm that retracts as her wrist becomes ever thinner from starvation? And the wristband is color-coded so that it, when, re- when it retracts to a point where it reflects the color red, she will starve to death and she will be that day's child in that clinic where a child dies of starvation every day. This is the choice that the Biden administration made. They didn't have to make this choice. They made the choice. For why? The motivation for every choice they make, for their own political gain, for their own elevation of their agenda at the expense of those it disadvantages. They claim to be compassionate. They claim to be caring. The results of their actions show otherwise, not just in Afghanistan, but right under their own nose at their own State Department. Story from Politico today. In the days after the Afghans took Kabul in August, a desperate Afghan father pleaded over the phone with a State Department official to help his family out of harm's way. On the call, the State Department official said, I could hear pounding on the man's door. I could hear the Taliban in the background. I could hear the women in the house screaming. It was awful. It's so scary. You don't know if you're going to be on the phone with someone when they get shot. You don't know if the email you're getting from that person is going to be the last email from them. 
So Politico interviewed a bunch of people who work at the State Department. They got a reaction to this kind of situation. They found out it is very common that people in the State Department are having all kinds of mental health issues, nightmares, because there was no plan and no response and no order or logic to any of these decisions that the Biden administration made. The inbox, remember they said, oh, email the State Department. Remember Jen Psaki said, oh, email the State Department. You can't get out. Oh, email the State Department. The inbox where the State Department directed Afghans to send special immigrant visa applications crashed. Officials say they were unclear of their own authority and what policies they were allowed to employ to help evacuated people. One official said this is a testament to the U.S. government's lack of preparedness for the cratering security situation. Here's the quote. This experience broke a lot of people, including me. We were all getting inundated by personal requests to help specific people from everyone we've ever known or worked with. And that's the other thing. The way you ascend to a position of authority in the State Department, one of the things you can help yourself by doing is foreign service. And so why would an Afghan citizen with the Taliban pounding on their door to kill them or find out who they are, find out if they helped Americans, why would they have the personal cell phone of someone at the State Department? Because that person at the State Department knows them personally, served in Afghanistan. And they're reaching out to the American who they know, who they have a relationship with. It'd be similar to a missionary going to a foreign country. And then Boko Haram or somebody like that comes in and they're going to kill all the Christians. And they're calling you at home. And again, there's nothing wrong with this. This is what anyone would do who's trying to save the life of their family or their children or their wife, their mother or father. They're calling you at home to try to get you to help them. Because they helped you. And now your country has abandoned them to 6th century barbarians. This experience broke a lot of people, including me, the State Department official said. We were all getting inundated by personal requests to help specific people from everyone we've ever known or worked with. And we were powerless to do anything. You feel like you're supposed to be the government's 911, but knowing the call for help didn't go very far beyond you was extremely demoralizing. It was like we were throwing grains of sand in the ocean. State Department officials said some have suffered complete mental breakdowns because of this. The quote, we're not used to failure at the State Department, and in every single possible circumstance, it was a failure. You're failing with the email. You're failing with getting guidance on what we could do and what we could not do. We weren't empowered enough. No one really understood what our policy was. They said they had daily meetings, and every day what they could do and how they could respond changed, which underscored the reality of the fact that the Biden administration, which planned this withdrawal for months, had no plan on how they were going to respond to the calls from the people that they inevitably left behind. The inundation of Visa requests went on for weeks beyond the October 31st troop withdrawal. 
Photo after photo of passports popped up in employee inboxes. Haunting images of stranded babies, young girls, or bloodied victims of the Taliban populated the texts and emails of State Department officials. This is the havoc the Biden administration wrought in Afghanistan. And it's hard for me to believe this is not the kind of havoc they really wouldn't feel any differently if it happened here in our country. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.